Do you feel that you operate in a very crowded marketplace and worry about what your competitors are doing and think, should I be doing the same? Well, today, let's have a conversation about how you can stand apart from your competitors and how it's the best thing that you can ever do. Welcome to the Get Out Your Way podcast. I'm your host, Osman Sharif from Rapid Transformation, and I'm here to help you get unstuck so you can rapidly grow your business. As a performance coach for small business owners, I know how vital it is for you to truly embrace entrepreneurship from the inside out, which includes transforming your mindset and using strategies that really work with your unique talents, skills, and entrepreneurial superpower. So are you ready to get out your way? Then let's get started. Welcome to episode number 25, and today I want to talk about competitors, which seems like a bit of a funny topic for me to talk about because I don't really see myself as having competitors and a lot of that's down to what I'm going to share with you today but that's not always been the case. I remember in the very early years I used to always think about what are they doing in the marketplace and they could be others that are operating in the same marketplace as me but that's because I was thinking that we all have to be the same. But since then, I've come to realise that actually, when you focus upon competitors, that is a very limited mindset. And I prefer to operate from a place of there's enough market share out there. There's enough opportunities out there for us all. And we don't all have to be the same. In fact, when we are the same, that makes life harder for me. It makes it harder for our prospective customers or clients to figure out, are you the right person to work with? Or is a different company a better fit for them as well? So here, it does come down to a lot of a mindset perspective that can help you to get out your way. But like in many cases, strategy is also a key component here. So I'd like to share something with you which first came to my attention when I did an online course many years ago by the wonderful Marie Forleo, where she talked about the Blue Ocean Strategy. And this is from a book by Chan Kim and Moburn, And in a very high level and a simplistic way, it's about really understanding where are you operating your business? So are you operating in the red ocean? And that's where it's full of, you know, competitors, dog eat dog, and you're all vying for the same, you know, customers. And that's kind of where, you know, the red strategy equals, it's like you're going for the same blood. Or are you in the blue ocean where it's a big gap between you and other people, there's plenty of opportunities out there, and there's a big differentiator between what you're doing and others. So I want to make sure that you're not operating or thinking that you have to operate in the red ocean, and instead start to think about how you can stand apart from your competitors so that you're swimming in the blue ocean. And I honestly do believe that you and your business is unique. And that doesn't even mean that you have to have a different products or different services compared to other people. Or for example, if you are in a business type where it's the same products that you buy or you distribute, that's okay as well because the way that you market, the way that you show up can still be very unique as well. Because you are unique, your story, your experience is unique, your entrepreneurial superpower, your personality is unique, your tone of voice, what you like, what's important to you, all of these are unique. And even your approach to how you do business and how you connect with people, these are all unique. So I want you to recognize that you get to really focus upon what your own recipe for success could look like. 
And this topic really did get inspired by a conversation I had with one of my clients that we've just started the journey of working with them over the last couple of weeks. And what they kept talking about in their initial sessions were, well, this is what I think I should do because everybody's doing this in my marketplace. And I hate that word should because that should, think about it, you know, too many people should all over themselves. I should do this, I should do that, I should do that. And I kept asking them, well, what would they actually want to do? What do they want to choose to do in their marketplace and in their business? Because again, you're your business owner and you get to make the decision. So that's what sparked me to go back to the thinking of the Blue Ocean strategy and I shared that with this client and it had a big impact on them. So let me bring this to life for you. How do you want to stand out in your marketplace? So let's take a couple of examples. One of my favourite places to hang out and go is coffee shops, okay? And I think I've mentioned this on many, many episodes before. And again, I had a conversation with two people earlier today about what do they prefer. They were more of a Costa type of person and I honestly am more of a Starbucks person. And you might disagree with me or you might be going, Asman, Starbucks completely is not your cup of tea and you might have your own preference as well or you might not even like coffee shops. But let's say, for example, coffee shops. Well, both of them, let's stick with the example of Starbucks versus Costa. They, at the core, sell coffee. They, at the core, are coffee shops. You agree with me on that? But if you then start to think about, well, what are the different criteria or the different parts that are important in terms of their world and how they operate. For example, you can have criteria such as the quality of coffee. I am not a coffee connoisseur, so some people say, seriously, Starbucks coffee is so commercialised, it's not actually very high quality. But for me, it doesn't actually matter, right? It's more of the experience. I like the taste of a Starbucks coffee compared to Costa. Um, And they use different coffees. They've got different, you know, suppliers. They've got different properties in that way as well. Then other criteria that can be important in the world of coffee shops could be price point. It could be the location. It could be the other offerings that they have such as food or cakes it could be the type of environment that they operate or the feeling of the place that they've got in terms of the coffee shops it could be the level of personal attention that they give you it could be the ambience in terms of the music it could be do they change things up in terms of different seasons or events and even in terms of the way that they make their coffee. Are they quite traditionalist or are they very much more innovators? So let's take this back into my understanding of Starbucks in terms of what the factors that I like about them. Well, price point, I think they're quite compatible. They're not really more expensive than than I've ever noticed compared to coffee shops such as Costa. But yes, they are more expensive compared to if you go down to the local cafe down the road. Location-wise, I often find that Starbucks are in the better locations, they're really central or they're inside shops, for example. I love going to um, Next Home in Brayhead in Glasgow. I don't love shopping generally, but I actually love the fact that they've got a Starbucks inside that place. So it's a win-win situation whenever I'm going shopping with my, my wonderful wife. In terms of food, I think that, again, you have a bigger selection generally of food when you go to Starbucks compared to even Costa Coffee and even things such as your cakes. They're a bit more yummy in my mind. But the biggest criteria for me are the environment. I generally find that a Starbucks environment is so much more relaxed. It's so much more 
options for you in terms of where you want to sit, comfy sofas, and I can get lost in a Starbucks for a good couple of hours, especially if I'm doing some work. And again, I know that depends in terms of where you're going. Some, depending on the location or how old or how new it is, it might be a bit more welcoming than others. One of my favourite Starbucks stores is in Glasgow City Centre. I'm not going to tell you where it is because you might start to steal my seats. But they've got a little kind of hidden, you know, place upstairs where it's only got a couple of tables. And honestly, it's like a little treehouse inside the Starbucks. And then they've got another upstairs area where it's massive. So there's lots of seating. But whenever I go up to this little bit, that's where I can do hours and hours of work as well. And it's got cool things like plug points, which is important, especially if you want to stay there. And of course, I do buy lots of beverages whilst I'm there as well. Even other things such as a personal touch, I love the fact that when they ask you your name, you know, they write it on the cup, and also the fact that they do celebrate different seasons. Nothing excites me more than when the Christmas red cup comes out. Even just earlier this week, I went and I had my first Starbucks red cup. It was actually, um, they've now got red cups and green cups. I like to mix it up. And honestly, it was like a big event in my mind. It was like, yep, that means that Christmas is coming. And I had my first toffee nut latte as well. So let's say, for example, I was the person that was, you know, setting up Starbucks, right? And you were trying to kind of create what would our strategy look like? All those different factors could be important. But it then gives them a chance to say, what do we want to stand for? Do we want to have that environment to be more cosy or do we want it to be more of a you're in and you're out type of place? Do we want it to be more personal touch? Do we want it to be more traditional? For example, I know a lot of people slag off Starbucks because the coffee machines that they use, they automatically grind, you know, the coffee beans and they don't do that hand pressing part, whereas a Costa does. Again, that doesn't bother me, right? And I'm talking about this from a client or a customer's perspective. But let's say, for example, if you were to take all those criteria that I mentioned and you were to plot them into a grid and you were to talk about, for example, high quality or high importance to low importance, and then you were to then look at each of those criteria and say, for example, okay, Starbucks, where do they sit in terms of high quality to low? You'll get to find out exactly where you'd put that pinpoint. Same for price and food selection and cake selection or whatever criteria there are. And then if you were to choose a different company such as Costa and you were to do the same, you'd say, well, how would you rate them in terms of those criteria? And all those differences will actually make the difference in terms of what will attract certain customers to a Starbucks versus a Costa as well, especially if you focus on the things that make you different. And you don't have to care about those other criteria because that doesn't actually matter for you. And that's not what your golden recipe will be. So let's use another example, and this will be from my favourite hotel chain, the Citizen M Hotel. And they opened up their first hotel in the UK, which was in Glasgow. And let's look at it from a perspective of more of a business owner's perspective rather than a customer for a moment. So imagine you're opening up a brand new hotel. You've got lots of different decisions to make. So it could be criteria such as how traditional do you want it to be? How much do you want it to use innovation? How much of a homely feel do you want it to be? What about the room sizes, the different five-star amenities, price point, the type of customers it wants to attract, the type of branding, for example. And if you then look at, again, using the high importance to low importance, you can then map out each of these criteria against what's important to you. So, for example, traditional. 
The Citizen M Hotel is far from being traditional, so that's really low in terms of importance to them. Innovation is really high because they have things such as tablets inside their rooms, which gets you to change and control everything in the room from temperature to the colour to the blinds going up to the TV. All of that can be changed and personalised at the touch of the button. So again, for example, the homely feel, what Citizen M do is that they don't want the rooms to be too homely. They want them to be comfortable, but they want you to feel that you're at home overall. And that's why the way that their restaurants are, are very different from traditional hotels. They have it more like your kitchen. They have a lot of comfy sofa seats down in their lounge area because they want you to basically just go up to the hotel room to sleep or to have fun, but actually then come down and socialise and hang out in the more communal areas as well. So that's why room sizes are really small because they don't expect you to hang out or spend too much time in your hotel. They don't include things such as, you know, kettles and tea making facilities because they have that down in their kitchen area or their bar. Price point, for example, they are not completely at the low end market. So it's not like a Travelodge or a Premier Inn, but they're not super high, such as some of the, the more expensive brands out there as well. And again, they like their branding and their quirkiness to be different. So they don't call you a hotel guest. You are a citizen of the mobile world and they attract a certain type of atmosphere. Even in terms of they want it to be an experience. So they often have, you know, I've seen in the London ones, they've had like yoga classes inside them. They have musicians that come. I've been to see a jazz musician playing live in the Citizen M in Glasgow. They have art installations, etc. And even a lot of the decor is far from traditional in that way. So can you see here, they're not trying to compete with a Hilton or a Holiday Inn or a Radisson. They looked at all the factors that are important and they thought, in all those criteria, where are we going to position ourselves? And when they combine that all together, that's their unique recipe for success. So I'm sure you're already seeing that when you use something like the Blue Ocean Strategy to help guide you, it then means that you can stop worrying about what other people are doing because you get to make the choices on what's right for you and your business as well. And this is something that I use regularly since I came across it. Even very recently, before I launched the Rapid Transformation 90 Day Mastermind, I got a blank piece of paper out and I thought about what I want the mastermind to be like. So I looked at different criteria. In this case, it was the level of investment for from a price point of view, the group size, how much personal approach or time that individuals got with me, what did it mean in terms of a timing perspective, how long or how short it should be, what levels of commitment did I want from the people that were taking part, where did I want to host the location of the, the in-person retreat, the technology that we'll be using and the level of quality overall. And then I was able to use each of these criteria to make certain decisions. For example, the price point. I didn't want to have the price point to be super high because I wanted to make it really affordable and give people access to having a coach and to be part of a mastermind to help them grow their business. And obviously, if I'm working with a one-to-one -one client, then there's a lot more attention that they get as a personalized approach compared to even the mastermind. So therefore, the mastermind 90 day program is at a lower price point compared to my one to one coaching for a period of time as well, such as six months or even three months. 
the group size. You know, I know that there's many masterminds out there that they could be hundreds of people, but I wanted it to be intimate. And that was actually really important for me. And that's why, again, I kept the numbers from that. And I'm so glad. So this current group that we've got, we've got six committed individual business owners that have got a great relationship with each other, that know each other, that are cheering each other on. And I'm able to give the time and attention to them to really help them to achieve their goals in those 90 days as well. And one of the key things that make the Rapid Transformation 90 Day Mastermind completely different from many other masterminds out there is that when you're in a mastermind, generally, it's very important in terms of all the interaction that happens in the group. Whereas I know from personal experience that when I'm working with my one-to-one clients, that's where they can really open up and that's where we can really get into, especially a lot of the mindset blocks that are holding them back and getting in their way. So I wanted to make sure that just because people were part of the group experience, it didn't mean that I couldn't get into some of the things that they needed to do to create those rapid transformations and those breakthroughs. So for me, one of the unique ways that I make that happen is, as well as being part of the mastermind where there's group activities and group interaction and hot seats and events, then everybody in that experience also has access to me for a certain number of one-to-one coaching sessions as well. And that hybrid model makes it really more impactful, both from my own experience of working with people, but also from the results that they get as well. So again, can you see here, it's what makes it different from other people and that's where it makes it unique and it means that I could just stand out from what other people are doing and not worry about what they're doing versus me as well. And another one factor to bring into mind was location. I wanted it to have a intimate feel and I also wanted people to connect as well on a personalized level because I know what it's like, especially if you've left the corporate world and it feels like you're a part of a team. But then when you take that plunge and go out there to be your own boss, it can be quite isolating as well. And that's why I wanted to make sure that there was at least one opportunity that we can get people together for a live workshop or a live mastermind event as well. And location was really important for me. I wanted it to be high quality. I wanted it to feel like an experience, like a retreat that you're out of the hustle and bustle. So I could have easily chosen to do that in the middle of Glasgow city centre, even from my office location, we've got meeting rooms, etc. in there, which are great meeting rooms but it wasn't the feel that I wanted to. I wanted it to feel like a certain event where people are unplugging and that's why I chose the location that I did. So can you see here, by using this recipe, the Blue Ocean Strategy, I was able to look at what does that look like for me? And if I was to plot that against other competitors, then I would really uniquely see what makes me stand out compared to them. And it's not to say my way is better than their way. We just have a different strategy and a different recipe. So now it's your turn to have some fun so that you can make sure that you can stand apart from your competitors. What I'd strongly recommend that you do is grab a piece of paper, Go to your favourite coffee shop, (laughs) take some time out here and literally draw a grid so that you can then start to mark in terms of how important it is. Is it high or is it low or somewhere in between? And then think about what are your criterias that are important to you. So some of those criterias could be price points, it could be customer service, it could be the personal approach, it could be innovation, quality, it could be your social media type of strategy. 
For example, how much do you want to put yourself out there, your family life, your whole personality, and all those criteria where you get to choose what would be relevant in your world. And then just take some time and go through each of those factors and say, where do I want to pitch myself? Where do I want to put my fork in the ground around that criteria? And after you do that, you can then look to see there might be one or two that really stand out as your cornerstones for you to go, these are the things that make me really stand out or uniquely different from others. And that's absolutely perfect. And then you can start to use those elements in your stories, in your marketing, in your messaging, and in the conversations that you're having. That means that you'll appeal to the people that find those criteria or those things, you know, matching what they want. But yes, it will also mean that you can repel others that actually are not looking for that. And that's perfect. Okay, so this isn't about making sure that you're pleasing everybody. It's about making sure you're appealing to the right people for you that you'll get the best results or give the best experience for as well. So please do let me know how you get on with this. I'm sure you'll have lots of light bulb moments and also it might give you that chance to realise how you might have been, without realising it, blending into the crowd or operating in the red ocean. But instead, how could you just swim further out? How can you differentiate yourself? How can you make life so much more fun and easy for yourself and actually be uniquely you and stand apart from your competition? So please do go to the show notes, which you'll find at rapidtransformation.co.uk slash 25, where I'll share all the resources, including a link to the book, The Blue Ocean Strategy. And I'd love to hear your feedback. So once you do this exercise, please do reach out to me at Osman, that's O-S-M-A-A-N, at rapidtransformation.co.uk and let me know how you get on and what your biggest insights are as well. So as always, I look forward to sharing even more with you on the next episode. So until then, take massive action, get out your way and enjoy rapidly growing your business. Bye for now. If you feel like you're still just scratching the surface and growing your business, and even with all the action that you're taking, you still regularly feel stuck or frustrated, then the chances are you're hitting one of the three business growth blocks that many entrepreneurs and business owners face. But don't worry, you can rapidly transform that from today. Simply start by taking my free business growth block quiz to see if your design, mindset and strategies are currently working for you or against you. Your results will help you put your finger on the elements that need your immediate focus. Plus, you'll also get access to a short video series with lots of practical ways to either fine-tune or overhaul each of these essential foundations. Take the free quiz now over at rapidtransformation.co.uk slash quiz.